you do it? And you go, person, woman, man, camera, TV. They say, that's amazing. How did you do that? Person, woman, man, camera, TV. So they say, could you repeat that? So I said, yeah. So it's person, woman, man, camera, TV. Give us that again. Can you do that again? And you go, person, woman, man, camera, TV. Go back to that question and repeat them. Can you do it? And you go, person, woman, man, camera, TV. They say, that's amazing. How did you do that? Person, woman, man, camera, TV. So they say, so I said, yeah. Aerial view. Person, woman, with Chris. Man, Live. camera, end times. TV. Talk radio. Friday! 6 p.m. Eastern time. Can you do it? And you call 760 The pound. You have a podcast? Cool. Oh, yeah, I invented them. They say, that's amazing. Thank you, do that. Go back to that question and repeat them. Can you do it? And you go, Let him have it. Let him have it. Let him have it. Press the button. You're listening to Aerial View worldwide on the internet. I'm talking about everybody. I'm talking about four. 
Welcome back to Aerial View with me, Chris T, here on thehoundnyc.com, where every Sunday Hound Howls at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And then, of course, Mark and Miriam with the doo chop shop of the air crashing the party at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Happy birthday, Miriam, uh, the new 
Fortune book is out. Book about Fortune Records. Available now. Go get yours. And uh, if you've been listening to The Hound NYC, you know that Mark and Miriam have been talking about it. And so has The Hound. I'm the only one who hasn't been talking about it until just now. Now I'm talking about it. The book is called uh, Mind Over Matter, The Myths and Mysteries of Detroit's Fortune Records. And uh, available through the Kix Books imprint. Order it now at kixbooks.com and make Miriam's birthday very, very happy indeed. This, this, this music really fits the moment, I think. As long as I'm giving shout-outs, shout-outs to the great uh, composer Carter Burwell, who provides our soundtrack many weeks. I go back and forth between uh, this from the Hudsucker Proxy, which I just recommended to somebody this very evening. Somebody on Facebook was saying, hey... I need a movie to watch. Recommend a movie to watch. And I said, have you ever seen the Hudsucker Proxy? Coen Brothers film, I believe 1996. Without going to look it up on IMDb, that's what I'm going with. A great film. Timothy Robbins as the Rube. Comes to the big city. One of Paul Newman's last films. Uh, Ned Beatty's in it. No, not Ned Beatty. I always get him confused with that other character actor. Now it's going to drive me crazy. Charles Durning? Is that who I get him confused with all the time? Could be. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee? Lay? I don't know how you say that. It's even got Bruce Campbell in it. And uh, it's, just a, it's, I, I, it's just a lovely story. Well told. I like to watch it around Christmas time. It's got a Christmas time... New Year's Eve feel to it. And I'm trying to think. And the thing about the Hudsucker Proxy is it's really about when things look most bleak. You know, when things really look terrible, that there still may be some hope out there somewhere. I mean, I'm not one given to magical thinking. And and, and there is a little bit of, you know, like magic going on in the Hudsucker Proxy. I, I don't know how you, what you call it. Magic realism, I don't know. Don't ask me. I'm not a film scholar. I just know I like that film. And a lot of it, I guess, has to do with the music, probably. But it's very funny. And uh, entertaining. And it moves along quickly. And if you're looking for something to watch, you could do worse. And it's where I stole that phrase about merging with the infinite that I now see people using. And I didn't see them using it prior to me using it quite a bit when someone would pass on. Because there's a line in the Hudsucker Proxy where the kid says, "Over the not the kid, over the PA, you hear this announcement. Of, At 6.20 p.m., wearing Hudsucker merged with the infinite. And I stole that and I use it. And uh, Eddie Van Halen merged with the Infinite. 
And uh, God knows how old he was. I don't know. Was he even 60 yet? I don't know. I mean, I just turned 58. He had to be older than me, right? Cancer. The cancer got him. The cancer. He loved those cigarettes. Loved them. Loved them. Oh, man. There was a time when you never would see him without a cigarette. 65. That's how old he was. 65. Just made it to where he could collect Social Security. I could have waited a couple of years to 67, I guess, but, you know, not that Eddie Van Halen needed the Social Security. But uh, tonight, Keith Hartel, our returning champion, will join us in just a bit, and we'll talk about Eddie Van Halen and his impact on the world of uh, music and guitar teaching, which is what Keith does. We'll also talk about this... uh, New York Times editorial published today from the editorial board, the full editorial board. And it's titled, End Our National Crisis. President Trump's re-election campaign poses the greatest threat to American democracy since World War II. Oh, that reminds me. Keith doesn't know this yet, but I've got a surprise for him. We're going to play Hitler or Trump. I can't wait. Hitler or Trump, because I just finished uh, the second part of the Volker Ulrich book, Hitler, uh, it's called Downfall, Hitler 1933 to 1945, 1939 to 1945, because the first half, that first half, first book that came out, I don't know, four years ago, how about that for timing, right around the time the Trump administration got underway. But back when the first half came out, which is called Ascent, Hitler, uh, 1889 to 19, whatever it was, 30, 39. Uh, I, I, I was reading it digitally. I was reading it on an e-reader, and I was taking copious notes because it's easy to do on an e-reader. And I was taking notes because I thought, oh, that reminds me of a certain president. And I know, I know, you're not supposed to compare Trump to Hitler. You know, obviously... Hitler uh, was fixated on the eradication of uh, Jews. He just didn't like them, thought that they were responsible for all the world's problems or his problems, Germany's problems, whatever. And he was so rapacious and bloodthirsty and, and maniacal and evil. He wasn't satisfied with the Jews that were inside of Germany. He wanted all Europe's Jews murdered, and that included... Uh, Hungarian Jews. So in 1944, when he knew the war was lost, at this point Hitler knows that he cannot win and that uh, he's underestimated Stalin and the uh, Red Army and he's now he's been fighting on two fronts. He's got a western front with the allies and he's got uh, an eastern front with Stalin. Well, I guess they were all allies, right? Didn't they sit down somewhere? I think they even met on Malta, my ancestral homestead, to talk about the uh, post-World War world. But uh, as I'm reading the second part of this Hitler biography that this guy Volker Ulrich spent eight years writing, and now is considered the definitive one. I mean, obviously there's a lot been written about Hitler because uh, he, he was... Unique in the world, in world history, unique in that he was able to yoke his uh, maniacal, evil plans 
to to uh, uh, the strength of, of an industrial nation like Germany and almost pulled it off. He almost pulled it off. World domination, elimination of Jews all over the planet. That's what he wanted to do. And and then, you know, a couple of things were in our favor. Winston Churchill was in our favor. Whatever revisionist history is going on now about Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill understood you cannot negotiate with Hitler. All you can do is put him down like a rabid dog. That's all you can do. He understood that. While other people perhaps did not. I mean, you had people that met the moment. You had Franklin Roosevelt that met that moment. You had people who stepped up. Charles de Gaulle. De Gaulle of that man. And what do we got now? What do we got now? A con man, a grifter. Someone who couldn't meet a moment. If it was, uh, if it had big fake tits. I'm not sure what else to say, really. Just hunting around for something. I was trying to figure out a punchline in the moment and nothing came to me but I feel like our president is a guy who likes big fake tits so and that's as good a moment as any to call up uh, Keith Artell on the Skype let's see what the hell happens oh Christ almighty with that noise oh fuck you Skype hey 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 Hello? Oh, what are you in a capsule? What are you in a What are you in a Gemini? What where are you? I'm in I'm in my home. Okay. It, you kind of sound like you may be uh in a, a space capsule somewhere. I'm just saying. I think we could work with this. Keep talking. Let's see how it sounds. Wait a second. You know what? I thought cuz I had I had you on the tablet. Yes. And I think yes. I might have to sign off of listening to the show on the tablet because is that making it come back at us again in a no it's just you sound like uh you're at the bottom of a well that's all okay should i, should I try you again i could call you uh, back if you want you need to hang something up do something you need to you know what um actually hold on for a second and just talk i got nothing but time baby nothing but time we're 20 minutes into Aerial View. The number here is 760-422-5528. It's the election eruption edition of Aerial View. And uh, Keith Hartel and I are going to talk about the competing town halls. And also, uh, we're going to talk about... I'm, he doesn't know this yet. We're going to play a round of uh, Hitler or Trump. Trying Keith back right now. Yes. Can you uh, hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, it's about the same. Doesn't really matter. You know okay. what? We're gonna move along. Doesn't really matter. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I have that end times feel a lot these days. You know? Yeah. Sure. A lot of times, you know what my internal thought process is. A lot of times, I hear myself saying this over and over again. Am I gonna make it? Am I gonna make it? Are we going to make it? Are we going to make it? Uh-huh. What about you? Uh, you know, I try to take it one day at a time, like the people that are trying to quit doing this. But I'm still doing the habits, but I still just try to take it one day at a time. That I think they're onto something with that. Right. 
Yeah, because really all you could do is all, all you can handle is what's in front of you. That's about it. Yeah. Um, you know, when you start yeah. thinking too far down the road, that's when you get yourself in trouble. Is that what you're saying? You can get really. A, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to feel uh, horrible dread. Best case scenario, or dread of best case scenario. Think about that. <laughs> Let me think about that for a minute. Hmm. It's making my brain hurt. So let's let's talk about the competing town halls then for a minute. It's been a, it's been a minute since you and I spoke. I mean, a lot has happened in that time, right? I mean, the president got the COVID, among other that things. Best, that was the best thing that ever happened. The, the steroid Trump steroid Trump era is the best thing that ever happened. And you you miss it already, don't you? Oh, it, it was went, it was over way too quickly, way too quickly. What do it's you what the, the energy man? What typifies the uh, steroid era for you? What, Here what, was the perfect thing. This was the thing I thought was the most greatest genius because, you know, I'm always uh, accusing and I think rightly assessing that people um, overreact to everything Trump does, and when he's kind of like always the same and they're like can you believe him now and it's like yes i can believe him. he's like this every day but the thing that i thought was great was that when he was on the steroids so you'd think like okay now how could he find a way to tweet where he'd sound like he was on steroids it would be impossible to amp up the tweets and all he did was just go all caps and it was fucking that's it man he's out he's he's, he's signaling like i am amped up i'm all caps trump now and that was genius. I thought he because did a lot of all caps. Was this like different all caps? I thought he was. I, I don't know. See, I don't. Nope. 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 Yeah. See, you don't follow his tweets carefully enough. Here's what he does. He, he does some caps and Wait, he does a you? lot. He ends everything with an exclamation point. That's ah. the classic style. The so, classic Trump style mostly relies on exclamation points and quotation marks around words that don't need quotation marks. That's his style, his trademark style. Okay, so are you following his Twitter feed then? Are you a, a, tw a Trump follower on Twitter? Actually, I don't follow him because, you know, you see the important stuff ends up just bubbling up. And That's otherwise, true. it's just too much. But um, the, all caps, I started following him, though, because that was, yeah, that was, that was, it was, I just thought it was genius that, like, like that there was a way that he could signal that he was, like, amped up when I couldn't imagine a way he could have done it. And that's what makes him him. I hate to put you on the spot, Keith Hartel. Can you pronounce that thing that they were giving him, the dexamethasone? Dexamethasone? How do you say that? Funny. I'm, I'm going to, ironically, I can actually look at a text where a buddy of mine was just saying how he wanted to get his hands on some of it, if there was any way. Let me Dex, see. Dexamethasone. Dexamy, Dex, I feel like the president trying to pronounce Yosemite. Or 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 thyland, thyland. Hey, he learned hydroxychloroquine like a motherfucker, though, right? Yeah, because he heard the people on Fox saying it over and over again. They were giving him like pronouncers every every three minutes. He actually practiced. I mean, my, this is only my theory, of course, but he practiced pronouncing that before he came out with that because he always said that exactly right, and he doesn't really say shit exactly right all the time. No, uh, no, no. So, so yeah, Dex Dexmetha. I wish I knew how to pronounce drug names, but I don't. That uh, thing. They, they apparently, 30% of the people who take that have, like, psychosis. Yeah. So I just was wondering, like, uh, like how would you know? Uh, beyond, like, what would he have to do on Twitter to indicate that now he's he's experiencing psychosis? Tweet in all caps. Well, no, but that's that was, like, 
steroids though and so was the steroid what did you mean psychosis or did you mean something else no i just meant like whatever like what i wasn't following his medical treatments carefully but whatever that steroid that he was on that was when the all caps was happening when when they were i mean when, when they were saying that he was on some kind of steroid like drug that gets you amped up you know there were civilians you know it's like one of those um it's like when you take uh what a theraflu you know, oh yeah, yeah, get, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get that, you get that things. feeling. Um, get I, I got to ask you uh, because we're, I'm going to play some sound from the Trump town hall. But first, I want to talk about this editorial in the New York Times that uh, says that essentially uh, end our national crisis. President Trump's re-election campaign poses the greatest threat to American democracy since World War II. You know, and I just finished reading about World War II, so I'm like, really? Okay, so then you click on the article. And you know how the Times is like really doing the online thing with the graphics and the motion and interactivity. So when you click on it, you go to these words appear on screen. Corruption, anger, chaos, incompetence, lies, decay. And behind it, you see a couple of flowers that are beautiful, blooming flowers and look gorgeous. And then they wilt and die. So that's the first thing you see. And then you get into... The article written by the full editorial board. This isn't one op-ed writer. This is the full board. And uh, basically, it starts out saying, again, that he's the greatest threat to American democracy since World War II. His ruinous tenure already has gravely damaged the United States at home and around the world. He has abused the power of his office. Blah, blah. This reads like, like when they wrote the Declaration of Independence and told King George to suck it. It's like that. November 3rd can be a turning point. This is an election about the country's future and what paths its citizens wish to choose. There's a whole, there's a lot more than that. Uh, And so, I I don't know if you've had a chance to read this. Uh, No. What do you think? What what do you think with the election, uh, what is it, 18 days away? uh, How are you feeling about Joe Biden with the competing town halls? How are you feeling about the odds that Trump, uh, we will no longer have to call him uh, President Trump after January 20th. How are you feeling about the odds? Well, the first thing I'd like to say is dextromethasone. I found the text that contained that word. Dextromethasone. Um, okay. Dextromethasone. Yeah. Um, I, I just think it, here, here's what's a little bit spooky. Um, the week, remember when South Park was doing the weekly election up to the election actually happened. And the last episode of South Park before the election, they were just kind of illustrating that Trump at that point seemed like he was doing everything to make sure that he lost. Like it was obvious he wanted to lose because of the way he was behaving. And to me, that's, he looks like that. He seems that way more now than he did then. And he doesn't benefit from being an X factor. Like, you know, there's a track record that people are voting against. He's losing the elderly, which is a big fucking problem for Republicans or anyone that wants to ever be elected to anything. Um, so to me, it, it looks like Biden obviously wins. But otherwise, the Republicans and legally steal the election as they have done. And they'll do it in ways that they've already done before. But I, I, I think it. I, st- I think Biden, though, I, I really do think Biden's going to win. Okay, but well, it can still get stolen. Yeah, but let's remind everybody that Roger Stone is out of jail. We just want to put that reminder out there. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Roger yeah. Stone's at large. Um, but it's, you know, the Supreme Court was what gave it to GWB. Right. You know? Right. And then and then John Kerry didn't, didn't challenge the bullshit in Ohio in 2004. And then there was these lot of creepy shit that we watched happen during the fucking Democratic primaries. I'm very cynical about the electoral process. But I, I still like, I like, I think that Biden might actually have overwhelming it might just be overwhelming numbers at this point. Well, after last night, and here's a little bit of audio uh, from the Trump Town Hall, Sarah Guthrie, NBC News. NBC came in for a lot of criticism, and internally and externally, people calling for boycotts and so on. Now there's a revision going on in that thinking, and they're thinking maybe this was good that America got to see uh, the two of these people sort of— and and. And not in a way like the debate where Trump could just talk over Joe Biden and talk over the moderator and act uh, like right. a complete asshole, but where he had to sit and answer questions. And, and obviously not his favorite thing to do. He, he did not like uh, the questioner, Sarah Guthrie. He, I'm sure if he, maybe he... Savannah he, Guthrie. Savannah Guthrie. What did I say? Sarah. Sorry, Savannah Guthrie. I, yeah. I apologize. But that... That means you watched it because I didn't watch it. I just watched, I watched like it, clips. Yeah. Okay, all right. We watched. We started watching Joe Biden at like eight fifteen or so. We were late to the party, so we missed the first fifteen minutes. But, but it was it was very soothing watching Joe Biden. You know that woman that works for uh, Trump tweeted out something about it's like watching. It's so boring. It's like watching Mister Rogers' Neighborhood, and everybody was like, "What's wrong with that?" I could go for some Mister Rogers' Neighborhood right about now. Mister Rogers was a nice man. He was kind. He was helpful. Uh, you know, we I, I remember sitting in a movie theater in Canada pre-COVID and watching that documentary and people all around me crying. Canadians weeping, weeping openly about what, what a beautiful person Mr. Rogers was and what a wonderful uh, community he tried to foster and the things that he said and the way that he tried to reach out to everybody and include everybody. I'm like, I think she just screwed up. I think that woman just screwed up now. She people are going, yeah, Joe Biden is Mr. Rogers. He's going to come along and save us from whatever the hell this thing is. You know, this uh, succubus that has been occupying the White uh, the White House since 2016. So I, I think, yeah, I think there is some momentum. I think it's good. But let's listen to a little no, bit of uh, call it momentum. Would Joe, you call it momentum? I don't go that far. But here, Savannah Guthrie uh, grills. I thought she did a good job, by the way. Even though I, I screwed, I, I screwed up her name. She did a good job. Yeah. And, um, of course, always having my uh, giving Trump the benefit of the doubt, judging him as Trump, not as a person, but as Trump, I, I thought it was a good forum for him. I thought it was. I thought he was better in that than in the actual debate, like as far as getting his thing across. Right. But uh, Savannah, I thought, just struck the balance where she wasn't letting him off the hook. But she didn't project this kind of like, I'm going to be the one that says the thing that just I'm going to be the Trump slayer. Like she didn't have that kind of energy that is, you know, I don't like it. You know, everyone wants to be a hero and ask him the tough question and get the soundbite. She didn't seem like that, but she just seemed really, um, you know, very professional, not letting him off the hook. And um, well, she got out that good line about crazy uncle. Like you're not somebody's crazy uncle. And then Mary Trump tweeted well you know actually yeah so yeah. Well, and, and then again and, and, and when i say like that energy like i'm using that word energy it's like yeah i mean she might have said some things that people like that might say 
But there's that self-righteous harumphing that like Jim Acosta, like my my the dignity. Uh, I, my, uh, I'm, I can't believe the indignity of this. What you've done. And that's the kind of shit that makes me sick, because I, that to me, all the all that, like the norms and the whole like, you know, comportment issues and presidential behavior. That's what like legitimizes all the fucking killing people all over the fucking globe. Um so that disgusts me. But I thought that was a very good interview. Savannah Guthrie was professional. She held his feet to the fire in an appropriate, like, hard journalist way without trying to make herself the fucking I'm the hero who saved the world from Trump thing. You think Chris Wallace was crying in his cornflakes this morning? Maybe? Yeah, yeah, he was. Chris Wallace was really, like, um, that was, I, I think that, he he's he's got that upper crust thing, like because I don't see him as a guy that wants to be Trump's slayer. I think I see him as the guy that wants to be above the fray and in his father's footsteps and all that shit. Yeah. So he tried to be kind of above it, and he had that way of kind of chuckling at the absurdity uh, that he, you know, like 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 that he was trying to act like he was a like he was above the situation. It's like no, you're you're in this mud with these two fucking geriatric you know be you know lunatics and this is your gig. Like, you know, you're not above this, this, um, yeah, I thought he, I, he came off looking bad from trying to seem like he was trying to seem like he was above it. I thought, yeah, I, I didn't get it. Uh, with the job that he did, I thought, I thought it was a pretty terrible job. If you ask me and it is my show aerial view. So why the hell not? I'll just say, and, uh, my guest, Keith Hartel, who uh, I know we, we, we've been jumping around a bit. Uh, I want to get to Eddie Van Halen as well, but here's a little bit of the aforementioned Savannah Guthrie and the president. Hey, I'm president. I have to see people. I can't be in a basement. I can't be in a room. I can't be. I have to be out. You can see and people I with a mask, know, though, right? I can, but people with masks are catching it all the time. I mean, if you look at the governor of Virginia, he was known for a mask. If you look at Tom Tillis, a great guy, he always had a mask, and they caught it. Well, there are pictures of Tom Tillis, actually, with one of um, Judge Barrett's kids not wearing a mask. But, you know, Chris Christie, he was part of your debate prep. Yeah. He was, I believe, at that event. He came out tonight. He was sick, very sick. He was in the hospital for about a yes, week. I know he that. came out tonight and said, I was wrong not to wear a mask. Well, I mean, he has to say that. I think it's great. He's a friend of mine. He's a good guy. And uh, wrong or not wrong, you have to understand, as president, I can't be locked in a room someplace for the next year and just stay and do nothing. And every time I go into a crowd, uh, I was with uh, the parents of our fallen heroes. These people are the most incredible people. And they came up to me and they would hug me and they would touch me. And I'm not going to not let come them on, do come it. Come on, come on, come on, touch me, With the most incredible I'm, people you've ever seen. And I'm sorry, Keith. I could Keith. have chosen not sorry to talk to them or to keep everybody away. And you know what? As, and I don't think that's probably where it was caught, but maybe it well, was. Well, I was going to say, you bring it up. You brought it up yourself. I mean, are you trying to suggest that? Do you believe a grieving military family gave you COVID? No, I don't know where it came from. Okay. And you don't know where it came from. And the doctors don't know where it came from. Mm -hmm. But as the president, I have to be out there. I also know. Well, there's no one that says you can't be out there, but it's just about wearing masks and having, for example, your but rallies. I know this. Your rallies as don't require example, masks. No, no. I mean, let's see Kamala. She's got people now Kamala. That people have it. And I'm not blaming her. I'm not saying, oh, she did a terrible thing. Hey, as Keith, president, I have to be out hey, there. Do you I think he's, he's mispronouncing her name on purpose? Isn't it Kamala? I thought it was Kamala. It is Kamala, but. 
here's one thing I know is that <laughs> Kamala. But a lot of that that mistake is not unusual. But I do think it's common among political dudes like um, yeah. whatever um, H.W. used to call Saddam Hussein Saddam, yes. like to slightly mispronounce someone else's name passive right. aggressively. Is it's, it is a bit of a microaggression, if you will. But, I, no, um, that's not a microaggression. That's not. a whole different field. Of oh, OK. All right. I don't, then I don't know what a microaggression like, is. Passive and aggressive. Like it's, it's a, passive. It's, it's a, a hey, could you combine them and have a passive microaggression? Why not? Not be impossible. Microaggressions is like you don't know you're doing it because you don't understand that you're inherently racist and you can never be cured. And all you could ever do is pray to not be racist. And, and just beg forgiveness for your whiteness. I mean, that's a whole different topic. But um, that oh, answer... Oh, a bunch of pussies wearing masks! <laughs> um, yeah, know, I, I, okay, I that is a different topic. Have, but, I have, I have, yes. but but how did he sound to you? Didn't he sound like he was in, like, fighting for his life? He sounded like a cornered animal in a lot of ways. Like, if you just took his voice and converted it into animal sounds, it would be like... <laughs> Like, he's such, I mean, I don't know, Bill Maher a while back coined, you know, the whiny little bitch thing, but it, it really, he really sounds like a cornered animal. He sounds like he well, knows you know, he's in a fight for his life, and if he loses, he will be in a world of pain. So, well, is, is that what you uh, heard? That's what I heard. That, no, that's not what I heard at all. And no, it, I have to, I have no! to I have to make the qualifier. I have already voted for Biden. I have okay. already cast my vote. I'm already voted for Biden. All right. I already... Trump shouldn't be president, but that answer specifically, just the Trumpness of it, I thought he was crushing it because when she just goes, she goes like, Chris Christie said he should have wore the mask. And he just goes, he had to say that. And like, that's the shit that just like, I love it. And she's like, I, he's like, I'm the president. I've got to talk to a lot of people, you know, like all of that, the way it just, it just the flow of it. To me, that's when he's in his comfort zone, and that is the shit that worked for him winning the Republican nomination. Right, okay. And just the way that he handled everything that ever came at him, because when you catch him, he's just like, yeah, whatever, fuck it. And he just bullshits ahead, and he just steamrolls ahead, so... Right, but I, be- I, I might have gone with a follow-up question there. I mean, yes, Savannah did a great job, but I, I, what I wanted to hear her say is, like, wh- why did he have to say that? Why, wh- what do you mean he had to say that? Why? Why did he because have to say that? then he would say because there's a lot of pressure on him, you know, from the people, there's donors and things like that. See, I can improvise them. And then when, when when she goes to him like the military families, you think you got it from military? So it was like, no, I don't know where I got it. Doctors don't know. He he goes into that whole questioning science thing. He works that in there. That's big right. of his crowd. Like he, he is very talented at doing that. And that was him at the height of his powers while he's losing the game in the big picture, in my opinion. Okay. Let's listen to a little bit more, and then you and I are going to play a round of Hitler or Trump, question mark. It's going to be fun, you'll see. You were asked point blank to denounce white supremacy. I denounced white supremacy, okay? You did I've two days later. I denounced white supremacy for years, but you always do it. You always start off with a well, question. You didn't ask Joe Biden whether or not he denounces Antifa. Let me ask you about QAnon. It is this theory that... Uh, Democrats are a satanic pedophile ring and that you are the savior of that. Now, can you just once and for all state that that is completely not true and disavow QAnon in its entirety? I know nothing about QAnon. I just told you. I know very little. You told me, but what you tell me doesn't necessarily make it fact. I hate to say that. I know nothing about it. 
I do know they are very much against uh, pedophilia. They fight it very hard, but I know nothing about it. They believe it, it is if a satanic like call run by the deep state. The subject, I'll tell you what I do know about. I know about Antifa, and I know about the radical left, and I know how violent they are and how vicious they are. Do you have any remaining symptoms from COVID? Nothing whatsoever. I'm great. I feel good. Uh, In particular, did you have pneumonia? Well, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, I didn't feel good. I didn't feel strong. I had a little bit of a temperature. The doctors at the White House are fantastic, as you can imagine. And they really didn't want to take a chance. And they said, let's go to the hospital. I said, that's OK. I'm going to, re you know, respond to what you say. You also are a leader and a setter of an example. And if you're not wearing a mask when your administration is saying best practice right now is wear a mask, no, it's not foolproof. But many but people are catching it. Many people are getting this disease that was sent to us by China and it shouldn't have been allowed to happen. But many people are getting this. And I mean, nobody's being blamed. Everybody is working hard to get this thing out of our country, get it out of the world. Look at what's going on in Europe. Massive spikes. They've done a very good job. But now you take a look today at the UK. You take a look at Spain and France and Italy. There's tremendous spikes. But it's our death rate is worse than, well, not Spain, but those well, other I have, countries. I have things right here that will tell you exactly the opposite. Me too. So the UK is up 2,500% because I knew you'd be doing this. I know you very well. The UK is up 2,500%. The EU is up 722%. And the United States is down 21%. Down. Per, our deaths per capita is among the highest Excess among mortality. Excess sorry? mortality. We're a winner. What? Taxes, as you know, the New York Times has obtained, it says, years of your tax returns, among other things. It says that you have debts of approximately $421 million that you have personally yeah. guaranteed and that will come due in the next four years. The question is, on behalf of voters, who do you owe $421 million okay, first to? Of all, let me ask you, what they did is illegal, number one. Also, the numbers Ooh, are this gets good. with the numbers are released. And just so you understand, when you have a lot of real estate, have real estate, you know a lot of it, okay? Right down the road, Doral. Big stuff, big stuff. I'm very he got under the plug in. decided to run. I'm very under-levered. Levered? What I'm does under-levered under mean? I have a very, very small percentage of debt compared. In fact, some of it I, I did as favors to institutions that wanted to loan me money. Yeah. $400 million compared to the did you assets hear that I have. People wanted to lend him money, the world, too. And frankly... Well, the Bank of America building in San Francisco. Thing. I don't love what's You'll happening to San Francisco. Well, do I hear you right? It sounds like you're saying $400 million biggest, isn't that much. One of the biggest office buildings. But are you, are, you, are you confirming that, yes, you do owe some $400 million? What I'm saying is that it's a tiny percentage of my net worth. Hey, uh, I think that is, that, to me, that's newsworthy, uh, Keith Hartel. That's Savannah Guthrie. Uh, got him to confirm that, indeed, he's in debt to who knows who. Uh, he said he said something at a rally about, quote, uh, it's nobody sinister, which I didn't take reassurance in. Um, well, you owe four hundred twenty million dollars to that isn't sinister. I, Even I, if it's I, the federal government. I mean, come on. It's ridiculous. I hate to say this. I pictured I literally pictured like uh, snidely whiplash twirling his mustache when he said nobody's sinister. I thought, OK. So yeah. that's a lot of leverage to hold over a U.S. president. I mean, you owe us four hundred million plus, and yeah, that's that could lead to you, you, that could be problematic. I could see that being problematic if a pre U.S. president owed somebody that much money, and he didn't 
say it's not true. He said, it, you know, compared to my assets, it's nothing. It's a drop in the bucket. You know, most of his assets are Scottish golf courses. And the one place that golf isn't really, t- you know, more people aren't clamoring to play golf is Scotland. You know, they they're, they may want to play golf in other parts of the world where people are new to the leisure class and you know, I guess now you can get outdoors and it's COVID friendly and crap, but that's not where he's got these golf courses. They're in Scotland. So I, I, I'm not even sure about his assets. I mean, what, I don't know. I, I can't, well, yes. There, there's a weird, the weird story of Trump, like the basic story that is a short form, like, all right. So when he, when he went into the casino business and bankrupt and he had all these Trump Taj Mahals and all these Trump buildings. So what happens is he he goes bankrupt, but then in order for the buildings to have to retain their value, for some reason, he has managed to make Trump like a brand that's associated with like high value glamour. So they have to license everything that he fucking bankrupted out of. And he lived off that like that those kinds of arrangements all the way till The Apprentice. And if you ever heard the story of how Mark Burnett discovered him for The Apprentice, he just saw him show up at the Rockefeller rink that Trump paid for or whatever. And he just said, because Mark Burnett had done Survivor and he had the idea that the next show was going to be a corporate show where you needed some big businessman type. He hadn't seen Trump before. And he was just like, that's the guy that I need for my TV show. That's what it's like. That's what the guy I'm thinking of looks like. They right. make The Apprentice. And then when they're filming it, they find it so chaotic because they can't get Trump to stay on script. But then they find out that if they just edit everything around the craziest shit that he says and then re-edit the whole footage to fit him, it becomes the number one hit. Yeah. But, like, he is the greatest self-promoter and, like, all of his, you know, whatever, you know, assets or his business or whatever, like, he's in the being famous business. Like, he's not in the accumulating money business. Like, he wants to be famous as a guy that has a lot of money, so he appears to have billions of dollars. But his real his his um, his thing is fame like that. That's his currency. And and he's a genius at it. And no one in no one will ever beat him at like keeping oneself famous. He's he's the all time record holder. It could never be taken away from him. And it's it's it it is a psychologically um, sick thing to have as your main thing. You know, it's not good for you. It's but, not, yeah. Well, that's what happens when you're a malignant narcissist who, uh, you know, never really got the love you wanted from your dad, and then ended up uh, with a whole bunch of money that he left you, and not really having a clue how to succeed at business, and frittering it all away, and then did, having did you to read the Mary Trump book. I did not. No, I I read the Bob Woodward book, and uh, I was saying earlier I read the second half of the Hitler biography, and was reading the Michael Cohen book, reading all three of them at the same time, definitely brought up a uh, cognitive dissonance That's that I really kind of enjoyed. You know, usually you don't enjoy cognitive dissonance, but this was kind of good. I think the way that they get, like, the Trump, like, like all right, here's the thing that Dr. Drew said, and I respect Dr. Drew very much. Dr. Drew said that uh, Donald Trump can't be, I think he used the word sociopath, because he said if he was a sociopath, he wouldn't be able to still have a relationship with his children. And, and and when they say that he didn't have the love of the father, like it was also the mother, but it's this nurturing thing. But it was really that the father valued um, tendencies of like strength and aggressiveness and devalued anything that was like weak or vulnerable. Yes. So 
so when they say like he didn't have the love of his father, it's like no, the father fully paid attention to him. He was just encouraging him to be this. You're animal. right. Like you're he, right. He you're right. Animal. No, I've, so, I'll, I'll fully, I'll fully concede that you're absolutely right. It was the mother really that wasn't around and sort of uh, withholding the affection, and maybe she would have been uh, ameliorating uh, in terms of the personality that developed. And I'm sure his father was a big fan of Hitler. So let's play a little Hitler <laughs> or Trump. What do you say? You ready? <laughs> this is going to be fun. All right, it's very easy to play Hitler or Trump. Keith Hartello, I'm going to read you some statements that are either quotes from one or the other or something that somebody said about one or the other. And all you have to do is say, uh, that's Hitler, that's Trump. Are you okay. ready to play? I'm ready. Let's start. Uh, I think we're going to start out with an easy one. Uh, here it is. And that audience of ordinary people, tactful, enthusiastic, and full of understanding, in comparison, our better circles are unbearable, dull-witted, and inflexible. They are of no great use to us. We must always stay close to the people. Unquote. Oh, yeah, that's that's going to be Hitler. All right. Pretty good. So that's, that's yeah. I, I to, like the, in the olden times, they 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 knew more of the good words. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe he was better spoken. I don't know. Let's see. Here's yeah. number. You ready for number two? Yep. His resentment of social elites, in particular people considered educated, would increasingly resurface in direct proportion to the approaching downward turn in Blank's fortunes. Ooh. That is a good one, because that sounds very much like how people talk about Trump now. So if I had to be honest, I would guess it was about Trump, but I'll, I'll say Trump, but you tell me. Uh, yeah, that would be, sorry, wrong. And that is uh, about Hitler, Adolf Hitler. So here's number three. Let's keep moving. See how many we can get before we run out of time. You're listening to Aerial View on thehoundnyc.com. Keith Hartel is my guest, and here is a quote. Uh, because I think it's a very mean life, I would love and I would dedicate my life to this country, but I see it as being a mean life, and I also see it in somebody with strong views and somebody with the kind of views that are maybe a little bit unpopular, which may be right but may be unpopular, wouldn't necessarily have a chance of getting elected against somebody with no great brain but a big smile. So that's uh, Hitler. Or Trump said that. Who said that? I'm going with Hitler again just for the articulation. Huh. All right. Wrong. Again. Whoa! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Donald Trump. All right. So number four. To, number four. Here we go. Uh, this is about. This, say that or did someone else say that? Did who say that? Like you said that some of these things are direct quotes. and some No, that was a direct deserve. quote of Donald Trump's. He actually said that. That, when those they asked okay. him about running for president. This was many, many years ago. And okay. that, that was All his right. answer. Yeah, yeah. So number four, this is somebody speaking about one of these people, Hitler or Trump. We're playing with Keith Ortel. To that end, he always projected optimism and invoked faith in a victory in which he secretly no longer believed himself. This tension between his own growing suspicions that the blank could not be won and his constant assurances to the contrary put blank under extraordinary psychological stress. That was probably a major reason why he was increasingly prone to losing his temper. Would that be uh, Hitler or Trump? 
I'm going Hitler um, for historical Trump story is not over yet. The Hitler, that sounds like a part of the Hitler story. All right, that is correct. You are correct, sir. All right, so now uh, I'm not keeping score. How many you got correct? One, two out of uh, four, I believe. I think you're, 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 yeah, half and half. Yeah, you're 50-50. All right, number five. All the, This is a direct quote. All the generals lie. All the generals are disloyal. All the generals are against us. And all the generals are reactionaries, unquote. I want to just say Trump. It's, it's Hitler. Okay, uh, number six. Quote, all of the people telling you, hang on, I'm trying to get through these. All of the people telling you that you can't have the country you want are the same people telling you that I wouldn't be standing here tonight. No longer can we rely on those elites in media and politics who will say anything to keep a rigged system in place. Trump. Uh, That is correct. All right. You got to keep your own score. All right. Here's another one. In an editorial for Blank, Blank heased praise upon Blank, who had turned his back completely on the everyday joys and ordinary comforts of life in order to, quote, remake the face of the continent. The Blank gushed, quote, you only need to be in his presence for a while to physically sense his power and appreciate how strong he is, unquote. Is that said Uh, about Hitler or Trump? Hitler. That was correct. Joseph Goebbels... Propaganda minister. Oh, I thought who, it was uh, going to be the New York Times circa 1932. That would have been a good guess, too. But no, it was Goebbels <laughs> who uh, murdered his entire family in the bunker along with Trump. That's how loyal he was. Uh, let's see. Freud and Slip, you just said that Goebbels murdered his family along with Trump. He Is that what I said? Th- no, yes. I, 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 that's not what I meant. I meant like he was loyal to Hitler, is what I meant. But you put a funny picture in the head of Goebbels murdering Trump. Okay. Who. Who has done nothing wrong. All right. Let's let's see if we can get through these. Number eight. What, quote, what separates the winners from the losers is how a person reacts to each new twist of fate. Hmm. Who said that? Trump. That would have been... You're correct. It is Donald Trump. Could have been Hitler. Real shit. He had Uh, that positive thinking shit drilled into his head from his childhood. All right, here we go. Uh, number nine. We're up to number nine in Trump or Hitler, and we're playing with uh, Keith Hartel. And number nine is, while he had by no means turned into an entirely different person, several of his character traits have become even more pronounced. His egocentrism, his inability to self-criticize, and his commensurate tendency to overestimate himself, his lack of scruples when choosing means to his ends, his habit of betting everything on a single card, his contempt for others, and his lack of empathy. They talking about Hitler or Trump? This is one of the closer ones, but I'm going with Hitler again. You are correct. That is about Hitler. All right, number 10. Quote, There is nothing the political establishment will not do, no lie that they won't tell to hold their prestige and power at your expense, and that's what's been happening, unquote. Uh, Trump. That is incorrect. That was Adolf Hitler. All right. Uh, Number 11. He now sought to blame others for his own mistakes, his utter lack of self-criticism, and his need to find a scapegoat for any failure would determine his behavior until the end of his days. Was that about... That's Hitler. There's a lot of content in that one. I think. There is a lot of... Say that again. A lot of content in what now? Context. Like once Context, until right. the end of his days, you kind of got to go with Hitler. Right? Okay. You're right. That is uh, that is correct. All right. So uh, number 12. 
we will no longer accept politicians. This is a direct quote. We will no longer accept politicians who are all talk and no action, constantly complaining but never doing anything about it. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. No challenge can match the heart and fight and spirit of blank. We will not fail. Our country will thrive and prosper again. I'm going Hitler. That is uh, incorrect. That was Donald Trump. All right. Number 13. Did Donald Trump say that himself? He did, yes. Uh, number 13. I quote. Uh, this is not a quote. I'm sorry. Uh, blank recalled never hearing a word of sympathy from Blank's mouth concerning the soldiers or those who had been made homeless or become refugees. Quote, the suffering of other human beings did not interest him. Unquote. So is that uh, Hitler or Trump? Trump. That is Adolf Hitler. You are incorrect. All right. Uh, we're almost through with these. We've got a few more minutes left. Quote, a man who refuses to be knocked off his feet by the hardest setbacks will achieve victory for his country and his people in the end. Unquote. Hitler. You know, uh, that is actually, uh, I believe that's Donald Trump. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. Number 15. The fundamental question of our time. This is a quote. The fundamental question of our time is whether the blank has the will to survive. Do we have the confidence in our values to defend them at any cost? Do we have enough respect for our citizens to protect our borders? Do we have the desire and the courage to preserve our civilization in the face of those who would subvert and destroy it? You know, I feel like I'm guessing Hitler too many times, but I'm going to have to go Hitler on this. That is wrong. That was Donald Trump. All right, we're almost done. I'm positive. Uh, Number 16. This is the last one. Keith Artell, and uh, this was said about him. One participant at a situation meeting described the atmosphere as, quote, a miasma of servility, nervousness, and dishonesty, unquote, that occasionally made him even, quote, feel physically unwell, unquote. The officer continued, quote, there was nothing there but fear, fear in all of its shades from the anxiety of attracting Blank's displeasure or angering him with some ill-considered remark to the naked terror about how to survive the imminent end of the drama, unquote. Trump. Uh, that would have been said about Adolf Hitler. Sorry, but thanks for playing oh, our game. Man. You know, uh, I don't spot the patterns. You know, that is a hard game to play, and I don't know. I do appreciate you being here with me, and I want to. Uh, I want to ask you to plug your wife, if you don't mind. You guys are doing a uh, event, right, on the twenty uh, third. Uh, no, no, no. It's Monday. The it's Monday, which I think is the 19th. Okay. Pangea, some kind of, unless, like, we might be filming on the 19th and it might be coming out on the 23rd. Oh, all right, all right, all right. So now I get it. Facebook, check but, your Facebook, check her Facebook. But um, I'm going to it's going to be a hell of a show. Um, uh, we're, going, we're going deep Q, man. We're going Q and on. We're going deep Q and on. All right. Well, I can't wait. I will be part of it. Keith Hartel, I thank you again. Keith Hartel. Uh, you could reach him via the guitar bar. He's also on Facebook. I, he may be the only Keith Hartel on there, so he's not that hard to find. Uh, I always appreciate talking to you, and we'll have you back again real soon. And always. thanks for playing Hitler or Trump. We're about to hit the wall. Take care, man. Always good to talk right, to you. Too. Bye-bye. And that'll do it for right now. The show will become a podcast in mere moments, and then uh, it's also going to replay on Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Hound NYC. Don't forget Hound House every Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, followed by Crash of the Party, the doo-wop chop shop of the air with Mark and Miriam.
threat me again. I'm gonna put the pussy right back.